0: Hello everybody, you are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, where the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis. This lovely podcast is also known as Miami Total Football Radio, and I am one of your usual weekly co-hosts. My name is Franco Penizo. Here on this podcast, we provide you with all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, arepa reviews sometimes and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. Joining me this week once again are the dynamic duo that is Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Llanes, a.k.a. Ajita. So we're jumping right into it because we went long last week, so we're going to try to stay within our usual time frame or our desired time frame this week. So Jose, two sentences. How are you?
1: Um, I'm good. I'm good. I think, you know, this is a very important pod because um, we need to give some insight on what happened over the weekend against uh, St. Louis. And so people were not able to watch that game. So I'm happy to get started and happy to be back in the pod. I I haven't missed one this year, haven't I? That's good. So I'm really proud about that. (laughs)
0: Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Jose. Don't jinx yourself. now. Knock on wood. Uh, Andreita. How are you today? Welcome back. Second week in a row for you, I think. So yeah, how's it going?
2: Glad to be back, Eager to start. We have many opinions. We have fight, we have controversial opinions. We have <laughs> different views because especially you. <laughs> that is what we do. That is what we do. But today is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about it. We have news, we have games, we have fun. So join us because today's going to be a special one.
0: There we go. So, yes, as they just mentioned, we will talk about Inter Miami's most recent game against St. Louis City, the most recent preseason friendly. There's another one coming up on Thursday against the New England Revolution. We've got some players to touch on, including a new addition, a few other things as well, uh, including some formations, tactics. This one will be probably a bit more tactical than the last few weeks. We'll we'll dive into the X's and O's probably a little bit more, which I enjoy. So I'm ready for that. Uh, Jose, before we get into it all, I said last week that you would provide your thoughts on the Joseph Martinez Arepa that you tried during the Vasco de Gama friendly at the start of preseason. <laughs> you did, we did not do that last week because the pod ran long, so you did not share that those thoughts at the end. So we'll do it at the beginning here. Quick thoughts, your impressions on the Joseph Martinez pink arepa.
1: Well, um, I I give it a solid six. Um, I I think, you know, the I had two. I had two. (laughs) So that that, that was great. Um, So my second one, it was just, I think it was too late. It was just too late. It was a little bit cold. So um, I'm assuming, you know, we're supposed to eat that at least warmed up. But um, so my second one was not. As good as my first one, so I give it a six.
0: I think it packs a punch, right? It's got a lot there. It's got a lot, to, a lot of chicken, a lot of cheese. The look is cool. The aesthetic of the of the arepa is cool, but um, it definitely packs a punch. leaves you Leaves you full for sure. It's not bad. It's not bad. I don't know if it's the best arepa I've ever had in my life, but like Joseph Martinez, it packs a punch. All right, we'll leave our arepa reviews to the side. We've got plenty of football to talk about. So, guys, let's get to it. Okay, before we dive into the X's and O's and share our insight, our observations, our thoughts, and our analysis into this most recent preseason friendly, let's quickly touch on something that we did discuss last week. But when we talked about it on last week's pod, it was just based off of my report. Now it's official. Uh, Emerson Rodriguez has been loaned to Santos Laguna in Mexico for the entire twenty twenty three season, the interesting wrinkle is that the loan comes with an option to buy. So let's quickly just start here before we get into into the the game. What do you guys make of there of there being an option to buy in Emerson Rodriguez's loan
1: deal to Santos, Jose? Um. Well, first off, you know I think it's a good move for for both parts. I think. Miami and, and especially Phil, I don't think Emerson was ever, you know, a, a, a piece that fit perfectly what he wants to do tactically. Uh, and so, you know, it, it was even though Phil did recognize that, you know, he failed to give him more minutes um, during his time here. He's obviously saying this after he's gone. So, you know, I don't know how much value there is into that, but, you know, we, we take it as it is. And I think for Emerson, you know, it's it's a great opportunity. Actually, I, I think that's an upgrade. We're going to Liga, X, you know, the intensity is higher there. Um, you know, uh, playing for Santos is it's not a bad team at all. Um, so I I think it's good. I think it's going to be good for him. And. Um, yeah with with the with the with the option you know I, I i don't i don't see him coming back honestly you know i think he's going to have success there i i think he's going to get opportunities um he's exactly the type of player that usually you know is successful in the mexican league a lot of pace and a lot of energy so you know uh, i think if it goes well and i think that's going to happen he might not come back to inter miami
0: andrea i know You get really, really passionate about debates regarding Emerson Rodriguez. So, let's hear it.
2: No, I think, like, I agree with Jose. It's going to be better for his career. Career. Santos is a better team. Um, A team that has won it all. A team that competes internationally. A team that plays in a better league. And uh, I think um, he's going to have a coach that would trust him there. Because if they requested him... He he may seem interesting for the coach. Think that that didn't happen here, as Phil said uh, when he was asked in this in the press conference where after Emerson was announced to leave. But the the funny thing is to me is that he says that he expects him to return, but then the team <laughs> loans him out with an option to buy. And an option to buy for a Mexican team is very easy because obviously they have more money than MLS teams. And usually when a player goes on loan there, he ends up staying. So it's now up to Emerson. But as Jose said, the Mexican League is the perfect the perfect step for Emerson because for his game, the how the game is played there, players like Emerson and with his characteristics become goal scorers, become assists um they have a lot of assists and then they go to to other bigger teams in Europe or in other bigger teams in 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 the same league so i expect that from emerson i don't think he's coming back to miami he did not have a good experience i think it was the best option for him and i'm excited to see what he does in with santos there's there's a lot to
0: unpack there because you guys said a lot of interesting things some i agree with some i don't um like i think you both made it seem like emerson rodriguez is going to Go to Santos and light it up, which I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think he could be uh, a good piece, maybe uh, that fares better and has better performance levels, better rendimiento than he did at Inter Miami, where he, you know, his playing time was pretty sporadic. I mean, he saw the field, but not a whole lot of minutes. So I don't, I don't necessarily see him taking that big, big jump. It is, I do agree with Jose and you that. Um, a player like him, a player that likes to be on the dribble and take players on, un gambeteador. Uh, I think that that suits uh, the Liga MX better than it does in MLS. Um, so yes, I think there might be more of a chance for him to succeed, but I don't think he's going to be miles better than we saw in in South Florida. But that's just that's just my opinion. Jose, you did say something that was interesting to me about you know Phil Neville's. Admission during the press conference, which took place on Friday, right? The pregame press conference before the St. Louis City friendly, also to introduce uh, nicola Stefanelli and Franco Negri, which we'll dive into in a little bit more detail later on in the pod. And so, yeah, Phil Neville did say, you know, I, maybe I was a bit too conservative uh, last year, and you know, because we were in in pressure situations, and you know, maybe I could have done better in giving him more time, but he needs you know, minutes to to continue to develop. You know, Phil Neville said the right things publicly. But I agree that, look, if there's an option to buy one year after you transferred him into the club, then clearly you're you're okay with moving on. So, and I don't think that's just Phil Neville. I think that's Phil Neville and Chris Henderson. Whatever Whatever happened on the field combined with maybe off the field, has led to them being, you know, like, okay, we're okay with parting ways. Even though he's young, even though he's got potential, even though he, you know, he could come with a transfer fee later on if you sell him. Maybe this this it's an admission on their part that they got it wrong on this one. That the piece just didn't fit how they expected to or how they thought it might. So uh interesting that it does have a, an option to buy. Uh, Look, he could easily come back because if he doesn't have a great season, then, you know, he's still under contract with Inter-Miami in 2024. He could easily be back. So I won't say there's no way he comes back. I don't know if Santo will trigger that option. It depends on how he performs. So we might not have seen the the last of Emerson Rodriguez with Inter-Miami. I will say this because, you know, I do think it is a piece of the puzzle. How big of a piece? Well, open to interpretation. He definitely was not happy with his role as a spot starter, and I will share an anecdote with you guys. I covered an Inter Miami 2 game last season, and I was the only, only one in the press box. After the game it was I think they played yeah, they think they played New York City FC2, if I'm not mistaken. After the game, Jairo Quinteros was the player that did the availability. He had scored in that game. This is before he left, and I, you know, I, I spoke to him about the goal and about his playing time and you know, not not really playing on the first team, and and Quinteros, in a very professional way, you know, said, yeah, he would like to be playing more, but he respects the decisions. But you could tell, which is normal, natural. and I've talked about this, that Quinteros was frustrated by his role with the team, his diminished role with Inter Miami, Emerson Rodriguez. I don't know if they were riding together or what, but he came into the into the room where the interview was happening and he just sat there. And then once Jairo Quinteros finished the interview, Emerson spoke out loud and was like, Whew, man, he's like, that was pretty impressive. He was like, Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. So I spoke to Emerson. We just had a conversation and he was pretty frustrated that he won. He knew he didn't play well in that game against the NYCFC, two. But he also was frustrated with his lack of playing time and his role. Because, like you guys have touched on in many, many pods, he came from a millonarios team in Colombia where he was a regular figure, whether he was you know, the key guy or no, no, I'm not saying that. But he was a key contributor. And then he came to Inter Miami, and then here he was looked at as a project. Got some playing time, but not nearly as much as he would have liked, so... I think that that part definitely plays a piece in this. The, the, he probably wanted to move away as much as probably Inter Miami did. Jose, you are something. It's an
2: upgrade yeah. for him. It's an upgrade for him. He's going to get more playing time, and there are no excuses over there. Like Phil said in his first conference that he is not accustomed to living in a big city, that he didn't speak the language. It's like we're in Miami, man. We're not in Kansas City, Missouri. So I, I think there was not a good relationship between Phil and Emerson. I think uh, Emerson resented that he didn't get an, an opportunity. So I think it was the best. It was the best for both parts, but definitely he upgraded, and, and he, I think he's going, going to do well in, in Santos.
1: I wouldn't go as far as to say there wasn't a good relationship, but I would say this. Given the formation that we have seen in preseason this year, um, there's no way Emerson. Yeah, there's no way he can play. Uh, Honestly, there's there's just no way. Whether you know they have a good relationship or not with the head coach, there's no way. There's just no way. I I mean, I don't see Emerson playing as an eight, and I don't see Emerson playing as As a striker
0: as a nine. Right. So, so there's no there's really no space for him. We'll dive into the tactics a little bit more because. You know that that is going to be the crux of this show, the, the main point of this week's podcast. So let's start. We'll, we'll close it. We'll leave it there with Emerson. We'll obviously keep tabs on him throughout the season in Mexico and see how he does. Also, not forget he will play in the League's Cup uh, for Santos. So something that you know could have an impact against MLS teams. Not Inter Miami necessarily, but you know something to, to to keep an eye on. Moving on to Inter Miami's friendlies. After that Vasco da Gama game, they played two friendlies. So since we last recorded, they've played two more exhibitions. They played FIU last Wednesday. And like I said on last week's pod, I would get that result. I would provide that result for you guys. For the listeners, for the readers, for everyone out there for just for the general public. And Inter Miami won that game 4 to 1. The details that I got were that Inter Miami played again two separate teams. One in each half. They played what you would presume to be their backups in the first half. And then they played their presumed starters in the second half. I hope I said that correctly. But, yes. Um, and Inter Miami won that game 4-1. to one. Now, at the end of the first half, the score was 1-1. One to one. Jake Lacala scored for Inter Miami, but Inter Miami also gave up a goal. Once the starters came in, in the second half, they pulled away. They made the difference. Leonardo Campana scored a brace. And there was an own goal from FIU. So 4-1 victory for Inter-Miami. That was their first win of the 2023 preseason. And it came four days after that 3-0 defeat to Vasco da Gama. Fast forward a few more days. Three more days. And we're at Florida Blue Training Center. A.K.A. Inter-Miami's practice facility in Fort Lauderdale. And media was able to attend that game. Media was not able. I was not able to attend that that match against FIU. But we were able to. And we were present For Inter-Miami versus St. Louis City. And Inter-Miami lost in lopsided fashion. 4-0 defeat. The game winner, coincidentally enough, just for narrative purposes, came from Indiana Vasilev on a spectacular, stunning, sensational free kick in the 37th minute. Un golazazazazazazazo. And we'll talk about it in more detail. Because it left Jose and I with our jaws... On the grass there on the sidelines. And maybe Andrea too. But I I didn't think Andrea was trying to snap some shots. So I don't know. I I didn't get a good look at her reaction. Lucas Bartlett scores in the 62nd to make it 2-0. Samuel Edenarin in the 87th. Or Ediniren in the 87th. And Celio Pompeo penalty kick in the 106th. This game was played in four 30-minute periods. And it was done so... I I assume, predominantly to get everyone the same or a lot of the bulk of inter Miami's players and St. Louis players, uh, more minutes. So the starting group in that game played 60 minutes and then the second group played the final 60 minutes. So an increase from the 45 minutes that they had been playing in the previous two matches, right? Extra, Extra 30 minutes there so that you can up... The fitness level is a little bit there. So this was Inter-Miami's starting lineup. Uh, I won't go through every single change that was made, but I'll, I will give the starting lineups in each half. In the first period, it was Drake Callender in goal. Inter-Miami came out in that 4-4-2 four, four, diamond. So DeAndre Yedlin, Amema Christopher McVeigh, Noah Allen was the back four. Gregory was your six. Your two number eights, your two box-to-box midfielders were Robert Taylor on the right, Rodolfo Pizarro on the left, Corantan Coco John occupied the 10th spot, and then up top you had Leonardo Campana and Ariel Lasseter. I uh, will, again, the only real change, well, the only change in the second period was that Nick Marsman replaced Ray Calendar. Third period lineup, Nick Marsman stayed in goal, and then you had wholesale changes. And this time, and we will get to this later on, but in the third period, not only did the personnel change, the formation changed. Inter-Miami switched to a, you can call it a 3-5-2. We've always said that given the personnel, it's a five-three-two, regardless of how advanced the wingbacks are. But this was the personnel. Israel Boatwright as the right wingback. Tyler Hall, Modesto Mendez, and Kieran Gibbs, your three center backs from right to left. Harvey Neville, the left wingback. In the midfield, you had Victor Ulloa as the six, Benjamin Kramashi and Nicolás Stefanelli as the two advanced eights and Robbie Robinson Jake Lacava as your striker pair okay so we've gone through the lineups we've gone through the goals we've given the recap quick takeaway very quick because we're going to go into a lot of this game Jose a very quick takeaway your biggest quick takeaway go for it
1: um well I think it was will- was the main thing for me, um, and and I go back to the first game against Vasco da You know, after that, in the pod, I did mention that I I liked the way you know Inter Miami was moving the ball, you know, as they were pushing forward. You know, they were quick with the passes, finding spaces, and I and I liked that a lot. Um, unfortunately, that was not there against uh st louis and obviously it's not the end of the world they were not the best team after the first game against basco because they did that they're not the worst because they couldn't do it against st louis so i think that that's the one thing because i you know obviously i thought that was progress when i saw it against basco and i thought man if they can do that they can be very entertaining and they will score a lot of goals well that didn't happen against st louis and moving forward i think that's the way to go they need to move the ball faster uh, in the attacking part of the field for them to be successful,
0: so Phil did speak to media on Tuesday and he was asked about the game and he said that you know they're not really planning for games it's just part of their preseason process um you know he, I like that he was honest and when he was asked you know if he had any take positive takeaways or anything encouraging or any player stood out he, he like kind of like scratched his head and was like not really not really and and, and he said he, he expected better you know he tried to give some reasoning for the result but at the end of the day even though it's only preseason I mean losing four zero is pretty ugly and it's not like they played a mixed lineup they played the starters for 60 minutes those players could not come up with a the goal then they played obviously a, a second group that is you know had a lot of players from inter miami too a lot of young players so can't really overly analyze that because they're just not at that level yet and it's not a team that you have you expect has gotten a lot of repetition together um harder to analyze those 60 second minutes but still losing 4-0 not scoring a single goal not really generating a whole lot in the attack i mean from the run of play, it was not very pretty. And you and I were both in agreement. Time. I don't know if Andrea is you know concurs if she wants to make it three for three. For the listeners, obviously, they couldn't see this game. This game wasn't streamed anywhere. Inter-Miami, as a matter of fact, didn't even tweet out anything about this game. St. Louis City SC did. They were live tweeting. They were posting pictures, which you, <laughs> you understand, though. They're an expansion team. They're trying to drum up interest before you know they start. So you get it. But Inter-Miami just... And let me tell means. you,
2: it, it, Inter-Miami didn't. And, uh, and it's disappointing because... It's a preseason game. I understand they want to maintain some sort of expectation, but they should have. Especially if St. Louis did it, they should have done it. But I agree with you guys. I agree with you guys, and I'm eager to to start discussing. The, the well, Andrea,
0: many- really quickly, because I just want to know if you agree. I was, like, Jose and I are in agreement on Saturday, Well, we stood there from the sidelines, that the best spell... <laughs> The best spell of play for Inter-Miami were the final 15 minutes of that first 30-minute period. They started very poor in that that period. But once they found their footing, they gained a little bit more control. They found a way to... I don't want to say get into the final third a lot more. But they started to find some semblance of success in terms of attacking sequences. Noah Allen, I think, had the best shot of the game in the... In the in that first period, where you know he received a pass on the left, uh, cut in and tried to hit a shot to the far right post, and it just went past. So I think that was in best chance of the night, and it came on a decent sequence where you know I believe Leonardo Campana took a long ball from Mabika, he chested it down to Ariel Lassiter, and Ariel Lassiter you know dribbled forward and then um, fed uh, No. Allen on the left to create what I just described a few seconds ago. So, I think that was the best moment. Jose did too, unless he's changed his mind since then. Andrea, did you agree with that or did you think there was a better moment for Inter Miami during that game?
2: No, I agree with that. I think that I was going to say that moment in the game was one of the positives or maybe the only positive I saw from from the starters in in the 2 halves if we can call them the two first 30 minutes that they played we'll call them because,
0: periods we'll call them. you can call them quarters if you want but that's quarters, too that's two no. american football me, like yes, so yeah so
2: please.
0: let's
2: <laughs> <laughs> hang on <laughs> i'm not doing that to football okay. please okay so we'll no. call it
0: we'll call it periods let's call it periods Period. okay
2: yes. so and the first two periods and i think that that is the positive and they can build with that because we saw how the players in attack have a good first touch. And if they do play with first touches, we can we saw what this team is capable to do, what this team should be capable to do by being dangerous with uh, players like Campana, Ari and uh, the, the wingbacks, whatever you want to call them, coming up <laughs> to attack Yedlin and Noah Allen. And um, obviously the two players that are out of position, Pizarro and Robert Taylor, also, need need to come up forward and, and be more attacking. The problem with that is that you get a, a hole in the middle. Like we've talked, we, we stood there and we talked about it. We're going to discuss it, obviously, uh, moving forward. But the positive thing was that spell, those last minutes, they were playing really well. They were uh, passing the ball with the first touch. So I think if Inter Miami gets to build that up, they're going to be a good team this season.
1: Okay. But the problem is the problem is and I don't know if you guys agree is that you know we have seen that for um, against St. Louis we saw it for 10 to 15 minutes and and that was out of the 120 they played that, that was the best moment and they they looked good, but it was just 15 minutes against yeah, basketball. They did it as well but for how long did they do it I mean the the starters played for 45 minutes. so they could have done it at the most for 20 25 minutes. That's not going to be enough in the regular season. And you need to keep it up for a long time. If that's gonna be your identity, you cannot
2: commit mistakes in the middle. And so and you are in Franco's and I's both now. Franco and me. Yeah, oh, so however you last. Say Thank it, you, that we don't like Thank the you. formation. That this formation is a mistake or what, like Jose? formation? What I think the fir- then how are you I, gonna I change what you are saying? How are you no, going to change what you <laughs> to play the
1: same? I said I said that four, two, two, two is my ideal formation. Right, you did say that,
0: but you also, Jose, you also were like, oh, it's, you were like, it's too early. Yes, exactly. Yes. As as Andrea said last week, blah, blah, blah on your behalf. A lot of blah, blah, blah. Things can
2: change. Now you're giving us, are you giving us the... the... La razón. La razón, yes, exactly. Are you giving us the reason?
0: Are you saying we were correct? Listen, I said after the first game. And you, you thought you thought I was jumping to conclusions way too early that the diamond formation, you know, I don't think it can work, given the personnel. They need a 10. And we'll dive into that in a second. They need a 10. For that thing to work, they need a 10. And they don't have a true 10 right now. Not one that I think can do it on a consistent basis in, in MLS anyway. Um, so that's one part of it. Now, I get the idea. I get, you know, they want to have more numbers in the attack, they want to push numbers forward, that they want the fullbacks, because that's going to be a parenthesis in a second, that the fullbacks will provide the width. I get the idea. And I get that they want to work with the with that personnel. But I don't necessarily think it best suits the qualities of the players that you have, if you're Inter Miami. That's just my opinion.
1: That's just my opinion. Now I think we all agree on that. I think we all agree on that. The problem is that they are way too exposed defensively, and since they are playing, um, I don't like, think I don't think that's the biggest problem, though, Jose. I think the biggest problem is what we talked about
0: on Saturday evening at during the game. That diamond midfield, while they can knock the ball around in the middle third and do all that, and while that looks better, there's no profundity to the attack. There's no real penetration to get into the final third. They very rarely got into the final third. And yes, this is game three of preseason. But you can see the trend start to develop. And yes, they will continue to work on it. Work on the on the, the Just the movements and the repeated patterns of play. But you, we've now seen two games against non-collegiate opponents. And that midfield diamond looks more like a black hole. Like, they can't move the ball. They don't progress it any, any more than the middle third. On a consistent basis. They struggle to find ways to do so. Rodolfo Pizarro's playing on the left side as an eight. I don't I
1: don't necessarily think that's a bad position for him. I don't know if Robert Taylor's an eight. I don't I I not an eight. I I can agree with with Pizarro without a doubt. but
2: Robert Taylor is
1: playing out of position. Ari City is playing out of position and Coco is playing out of position. I think those three players, they have the talent. They are very good with the ball. But yes. The problem is they're playing out of position. Out of
2: position, exactly. i
1: going to take. I mean, if you take uh, Robert Taylor and Addy Lester and put them through the wings, you'll get so much more out of them. So exactly. much. More. And obviously, we we have seen that here in in Inter Miami. Now with Coco, I don't know where he plays. Honestly, I don't know where we can get the most out of him in terms of okay, let's think this is his art. Miami to football player, and we need to find. <laughs> for him in the media game. I don't know where to put him. I don't know where to put him. because. But to me, he's not a 10. Right now, he's not a 10. And he's not doing enough. He had, in that He in had that one good
0: pass in that first 30-minute period, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was the second 30-minute period. But he had one good pass where he hit the through ball in. I believe it was to Lassiter. And the flag went up for offside. But it was a good through ball, and it played Lassiter into space. But, Wait, I, but I I. agree I agree that he doesn't necessarily look like a 10. Doesn't and what we've seen so far from
2: Listen, him. is that the the bottom line with this formation, I think there are too many players out of position. And you, those players out of position, as Jose is saying, could play better if they played in their national position. Right. You can Wait. have one player out of position that can have and can have a good game, can have a good run. But when you have a lot of, we're talking here about Adi in in only that uh, formation for the two uh, periods. We have Adi out of position. We have Robert Taylor out of position. We have Pizarro out of position. We have Coco out of position. So it's almost. Five players out of position, and you're like, I
0: don't know about Pizarro. Pizarro. Yeah, you just you just contradict yourself because you said yeah, Pizarro was okay. Pizarro.
2: Pizarro. No, but Pizarro was okay, yes. but that is his not, not that I think that I he's think not, that could be Pizarro. his position. I think that could be. He's natural position. What is his
0: natural position? He's not a ten. He's not a ten. He's not, and he's not a winger. So, like, I think it could be a solution to what his position is.
1: And and I have one more problem with that situation with 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 especially with Pizarro and Taylor. I'm not 100% sure that they can be uh, two box-to-box players. You know, we're, we, we emphasize on, on what they're doing when Inter-Miami has the ball. Now, what are they doing when they don't have the ball?
2: Exactly. And when
1: they have to play defense. Because if you leave um, Gregory all by himself in the middle, that's not going to be ideal.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, so they have to do a lot more defensively. That is
2: what I mean. Because Pizarro so, so, and Taylor have now th- th- that added responsibility when they are not defensive-minded players.
0: Well, so th- so yeah. there's there's an interesting part there. There's, and before we dive a little bit more into it, we do have to note something that we have not noted yet. Inter-Miami is missing a few starters, right? A few projected starters. And then that, makes, that can make it for a very interesting conversation and something I do want to dive into. I don't know if we will have the time today. But let's. Who was out? Gene Mota was out. I expect Gene Mota to be in the starting lineup when he's healthy. Franco yeah. Negri did not play in this game. The new Argentine left back that arrived. He's trained with the team, but he just wasn't fit enough yet to play. So he didn't play in that game. He's the presumed starter at left back. Joseph Martinez also did not play. Still working his way up to fitness. He's expected to play on Thursday against the New England Revolution and what will be his unofficial debut. The new center back, Damien Lowe, had just been traded. And now, Serhii Kristoff, I think I pronounced it right. Perfect. If, if not, I will work on it. No, excellent. Thank you. I hope that that's correct. Um, <laughs> he also did not play in this game. So how many starters is that? Is that one? That's two. Three. Three. Four. And then if Four. you if you want to throw a ten in there, if you want to throw if they can go find a ten or posuelo or whatever, then you're talking about that's ten.
2: Just Stefan Well, okay, she so already said.
0: Okay, so <laughs> that you've got five five starters in Miami was was projected, or at least I'm projecting them to be down. So that is a good bit of quality to be missing. Nonetheless, the players <laughs> have the players out there are are good enough to play better than they played. I agree that the at being out of position is a is a part of it. I also, again, I just don't know if this diamond formation, because of said reason that these players are a lot of these players are out of position. I don't know if it'll work. I guess we have to see it more with the ideal team or the projected team. The issue there is though that if you don't have those ideal pieces in place all the time, then do you have the pieces on the bench to you know serve as backups as true backups that can have the same function, the same responsibility. I mean, right now, the early signs in preseason are no. Maybe the, the best team or the best version of this Inter-Miami can play that 4-4-2 diamond very, very well. But if they're not around, if you can't get that best 11, do the backups have what it takes to, to keep that performance level high?
2: I want to add one thing also. Please, when Pizarro is playing, he, he needs to take care of the corners... Of the free kicks, please, Jesus Christ, stop putting <laughs> someone else to do it.
0: Please, Listen,
2: I'm begging the Lord, please. I will bang
0: this drum. I don't know if I agree with that 100, percent but I will bang this drum because I've at asked... least.
2: I guess Joseph. I have seen him get some good free kicks. I I expect Stefanelli to be a good free kicker also, but with the stars that we saw in this game, I think it should be without a doubt Pizarro taking those balls, so who,
0: who took them? Let's let's say, let's for the listeners that couldn't watch the game, who took the set pieces? We saw Pizarro take some. We saw Robert Taylor take some Robert
2: Taylor. Any yeah. we anyone we saw else Coco take Coco
0: some. take some. Uh, we even saw Victoryo although he was with the second yes. second group. He took a free kick but still, I wasn't I would never thought I would see Victor Ullo taking a free kick, except maybe in FIFA. But besides that, I didn't think I would see it, but he hey, he almost put it in. But I'm banging this drum because I've asked about set pieces for. You know, three-plus seasons now. And look, they, Inter Miami was not good from the run-of-play, by and large. And they still were not good from set-pieces. They were not threatening from set-pieces at all. At all. Yet again. Like, listen, you're going to have games where it's going to be poor from the run-of-play. But then the set-piece can help open that that game for you. you. can unlock that game. Unlock the opposing defense. And get you into it and change the whole complexion of the game. And Inter Miami still struggles there. Or still struggle there in this one. They were not even close to dangerous. And Jose, you put a video that I thought was very interesting last week uh, after practice of a drill that Amemah Bika was doing with, I forget which of the the members of the technical staff. Jason Christ. It was Jason Christ, post-practice, doing a header drill. But he wasn't receiving corner kicks. He was receiving, Jose, you can say it better than I can. It's your
1: video. Yeah, hand crosses. Hand crosses, I, the, underhanded the hand yeah. crosses. Yeah, I remember that drill. I think I was probably what seven years old when you were, I was doing that drill back in school. I I, th- I, I don't know if that's that, that's how things are done nowadays here, but you know, it it seems like that's something that he should have should have worked on a long, long time ago you know, especially with him being a center back, having limited opportunities and, you know, the best opportunity for him to score, especially with his height, you know, it's, it's set pieces. I just, I just, I just don't know, but I, but I'll say this, you know, (laughs) into Miami they have to figure so many things out before they go to set pieces. I think they, they need to find a way to, to make it, make things work. And, if you if you don't score a lot from set pieces but use score from the run of play people are not going to care oh of
0: course of course, but you need to have as many weapons in your arsenal as possible so that if one doesn't work well then you can lean on the other one to help you get out of a jam we didn't see yeah. we didn't see either one from inter Miami here either one I do think that the the not having a true ten i think that is another factor here you know if they could I'm sure in an ideal world, although they probably wouldn't say this publicly, I imagine Chris Henderson and Phil Neville if they could find someone to to buy Raulfo Pizarro tomorrow, they would sell him, they would resign Pozuelo or some other number 10 that's a more true number 10 and then, you know, use use that player in the, that position in that system. But right now, they don't have a true number 10. And I think that that's that's going to be Listen, a big part that of the, in the this problem.
2: Point- in this this in this point, I think Phil already we, we 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 need to stop saying he doesn't have a number ten. He needs to work with what he has. He already knew when he signed his extension what what the situation with Pizarro, that they didn't have any sewer, uh, suitors to buy him. He knew that situation when he signed. He knew the situation that Posuelo maybe couldn't come back. He knew all that. So I think it's time. It's already his thirty year, he's gonna be his year here. So it's time for him to start working with what he has and for us to see him work with what he has, find a good oh, fit absolutely. find absolutely. a good a good a good fit. And in these two games that we have seen in preseason, we have not seen that yet. So hopefully before February twenty five, we see like a road to that at least for them to start Whoa. the season in a good way
0: well we we won't see much more the rest of the way because the remaining all but one of the remaining preseason friendlies are behind closed doors now again i'm going and to the do, one
2: against mlk is canceled well
0: <laughs> we'll get there i'll do my best to get the scores for those remaining closed door friendlies i'm gonna do my best you know when i report one you know some you know the team might try to close the iron fist a little bit tighter to make sure I want to
2: say that Franco is being sh- it's being he's being um how do you say it in English he's being shot he's being put a muscle on <laughs> I don't know
0: I don't I don't know what you were trying to say there but um I think okay I think I know what you're trying to say but uh, I'm not sure um but no I'll do my best look the team is going to try the, it's going to try even harder to try to make sure that Nothing filters Franco out, doesn't but, know. <laughs> but I'll I'll do I will do my my reporting best to keep you guys informed because that's what we're here for. Yeah, and besides you know our discussion and our dialogue and you know the updates, we're here to inform what's going on. So I will do my best. I'll do my best. Now that last game, Andre, that you just mentioned against Emilek, yeah. Emilek is no longer coming. It seems this is not confirmed. It seems like the opponent for that final preseason friendly, which. Will be at Drafting Stadium. It is open to the general public. It will be against Austin FC. That's what it looks like. If you go to Ticketmaster, right now, the opponent that's listed as playing Inter-Miami is Austin FC. So that looks like the candidate that has lined up to replace Emilek for that final preseason friendly. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's on the 18th, February 18th. So not too far away from here now. Uh, Jose. Let's talk about a positive performance. Did anybody impress you between both teams? Did anybody impress you from both groups? I'm sorry uh, for Inter Miami. And don't say <laughs> I was gonna say don't say Indiana Vassilov because I know you're trying
1: to get cheeky. No, no, no. Well, you know, I thought St. Louis; they were just okay. I don't. I, I never thought they were imp- they were impressive. So that, but. If that makes it a little bit more worrisome for Inter-Miami fans, then, you know, that's the reality. St. Louis is is not a very good team But they right
0: peppered now. Inter-Miami in the first 15 minutes. They were on top
1: yeah. of Inter-Miami. Like, but Inter-Miami you know couldn't get out of its own
0: half in the first 15 minutes of the game.
1: Because they did pressure. They did pressure in the middle, and they forced Inter-Miami to commit mistakes in the middle. And they gave the ball away very quickly. They were not able to um, come through with the buildup. And, you know, MLS teams, they like to run a lot. And, you know, that's something that Vasco da Gama didn't do, and yet they were able to win the game, you know. So that's why I think it's a little bit risky, the formation, especially if you're not good enough in the middle and you're giving the ball away, which is something that will happen uh, every now and then. Even to, you know, the top teams, you know, you know, just does not have a, a good day or, or one mistake can cost you the game. But, you know, going back to, the, to your question, I think Noah Allen was the only player, you know, within those 10 to 15 minutes that Inter-Miami was good, that, was, that showed some progress moving forward, moving forward. But I, I won't fully um, say that, you know, No Allen was um, impressive or, you know, something to think about when it comes to the starting 11 for the first game of the regular season because defensively, that there's the challenge for him. I think he's talented enough to play, you know, in the middle, maybe moving forward, more like a winger. I don't know if he's strong enough within his build, but defensively, it's always a challenge for him. So um, again, I, I've said it from day one. I, I don't think he's a left back just because you know he's he can not play okay defense, but not good enough. So, but I would I would highlight him. I, I don't think there's there's any other way to go.
0: Andrea, anybody anybody else?
2: I agree with Jose, but I also liked um, Ariel Asiter in the chances that he had. Not as a nine, but when he came down, he assisted. We, we talked about the, the best play that we saw. Um, I really like Dariel, but uh, when he came down, I think he he's going to be an important player for this team. And I agree with Jose in regards of Noah Allen. I'm eager to see um, the new center back. I'm eager to see um the competition in 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 the right back because DeAndre's what we've seen in these two games he's been a little bit inconsistent but I think yeah Ariel Lassiter and no Allen were for me positives in this game.
1: Right, so, one more thing. Go ahead. I, you know, it's it, it's it, it's very easy for people to think that, you know, the team is struggling at this point because maybe of what we're saying or or the and the pro teams they, 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 they conceded seven goals and they, they have they have yet to score against the pro team in preseason but I would say this I think the effort is there you know I think the players they want to make things work for Phil now I, I don't know if at some point you know if it doesn't work Phil might be able to realize or the coaching staff as a whole you know maybe it's it's not our way you know, maybe we need to figure this out and maybe listen to the players. And I'm sure if you ask Gary Lassiter where he wants to play, he's going to say through the wings. I-, I mean, that's that's I think that that's a given. So um, I just want to tell people that, that the effort is there. So yes, still a lot I agree with that. There's yes. still plenty of fun and they might be able to make things work.
2: And that is why I was saying especially that it's time for Phil to realize that and maybe not get married to a formation since the beginning of the season.
0: So there's... so that's, And we can decipher that or dive into that a little bit. Because there's two philosophies. Two different philosophies. You can play or mold your system to the players you have. Which I think that's what all three of us would do. Or you can mold your players to the system you want which is what yeah. it looks like Phil Neville's doing that is that's what the, he's that's doing. the route he's yeah. going and that's the gamble he's going to take and what he'll be judged on if he sticks with it again i don't th- i think Phil Neville has shown he he is adaptable i don't i think yeah. if this formation does not bear fruit in, in in short order i think he'll revisit it and and either change the personnel or look uh, for a different system um to go with from the start but right now this is what they're doing they're going with the diamond they're trying to see how it works. Look, they they Inter Miami tried to build out from the back from the start. there was one play, you know, where they, they were passing it along the back and and you know there's still concerns there. Um again, not Inter Miami's maybe strongest team. Maybe the Ukrainian center back will help uh improve things in that regard. But, you know, there was one play early on where uh, Mabika played a pass to Drake Callender, and Drake Callender flubbed the control and it went out for a corner kick for St. Louis city so you know mistakes like that were common for inter miami not necessarily across the back but just in terms of the sharpness during those first 30 minutes maybe even an extension to the to the 60 minutes just couldn't get their their footing consistently couldn't find each other they to me they looked a team that was a bit confused on the field as to how to find solutions
1: one hundred percent.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I agree with that. And listen, it, it it can also be that the league has a lot of vacations, uh, a lot of rest for the players. So it's going to be difficult for them to call uh, to come and, and perform one hundred percent in the same uh, in, in, in the start of the preseason. So um, I think we will have to wait for like the games in this month. In February, that in this month that is coming to maybe see the little uh, inter the truer inter Miami. So, but that's but, what I'm saying. We might yeah, not,
0: yeah, not see it, we might not see it until that last yeah, game. And then, yeah, how, how much it, are we exactly. going to see the week before they start this regular season? I'll say one last thing about the performance and what I think the team is missing right now. Again, I've said a number 10, but what I think is, is a more underlying issue is that with this formation. And at least with this personnel, they don't have any real dynamism to their play. There's no really dynamic way for this team to get forward, and I think that's why you don't see them penetrate that final third all that much because they don't have a true number ten. Neither of their two eights are—you uh, could say Robert Taylor's a, a good dribbler, but given where he's, you know, where he's starting and the positions he's starting in, he's got more bodies centrally around him so he's not able to showcase a lot of that dribbling talent Rodolfo Pizarro not the fastest not necessarily the best you know one-on-one dribbler you don't so you like they don't have a way to regularly find dynamic ways to quickly hit when they're attacking and then they also don't have anyone to pull the strings as the 10 so they're missing some elements there in that middle of field I think that that's the biggest right now the biggest issue there are things in the, in the on the defense you know we saw under miami get exposed a few times when they got hit on the counter when they lost the ball there was one play where i remember i just remember deandre yedlin trying to like biting very hard on a, on a fake cross or a fake shot and like soaring in the air like it, it yeah he just he hasn't had a good start to preseason from the two games out of the three that we've been able to see um he also did start a bit later so there are there are questions at the back. I think look to answer the question I, po- I post. I to you guys. I think Noah Alid uh, was the standout. I thought Gregory was okay. I didn't think he looked he looked too bad there. Um, and then from there, Lasser was was all right as well. Uh, Campana hustled, but yeah, not not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Uh, as for let's quickly go to the second. I'm sure this now is going to be we're going to
2: fight. <laughs> you pay yourself. Well, well, now we only have a couple
0: to things to talk fight. about. We only have a couple things to talk about here. It's not. We're not going to fight because there's, there's only one answer here. And you guys just... You guys are going to... I think you guys are just reluctant to accept it, even though it's staring you in the face. But anyway. All right. When and me made the lineup changes in the start of the third period, the second set of 60 Minutes, and they switched the formation. And Phil Neville... We, I mean, us three, the trio here, we were trying to figure out for a good little bit what the formation was. We kept going back and forth about what it was until then I was like, you know what? No, this is a 5-3-2. Andrea and Jose pretty strongly disagreed. They thought it was a, well, what did you guys think it was? It was a 4-2? Four, four, is that what you guys thought it was?
1: I don't even remember what we
0: thought it was. <laughs> well, you guys thought oh, it, was it was 4, four at the three, back.
2: 3 Four three three
0: so four three three that's what you think, okay it was not a four, four three
2: 3
0: it was definitely not a four three, I, three because Harvey go Neville ball,
2: uh,
1: Har- go ahead go ahead to start fighting because I'm, I'm gonna be listening for a while, I guess
0: <laughs> oh you see yeah, cause you were the one being like, oh, I mean that on a Saturday Jose could not stop he's like, Franco, how could you not see it? It's clear as crystal now yeah. he wants to be because now I think that's Jose it. has realized.
1: Well, I have moved on. I uh, have moved on. Yeah, because you realized
0: that you did not get the formation correct.
1: But okay. No, I, I would say this: they were they were not very well organized, and and I think I told you guys. This. You did say that. They were not very well organized. It was hard to figure it out because you know, um, first off, you know, um, Harpy was so. playing. Harpy was playing in the middle. Off the field, <laughs> left side. He was not a left back. Right, no he left. was. Well, he was a left wing back. Well, now, it was. I don't know. It was not know.
2: even that. I think it's no. That, no. that is why I can accept uh, it was a back five because it's not leaving a wing back. He was like lost there. It no, was very
1: messy. So, it was just very messy because uh, Kieran Gibbs was right behind him. No, then, no, 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 yes. no, no, no. And so be it, but he was no. right behind him. No. At times, even overlapping him. No, so. never, never did he overlap. You never saw yeah. Kieran Gibbs and
0: no. No. It no. happened. It no. happened. That never happened, Jose. Listen.
2: And I'm going to say something. We might never find out until we speak to Phil again because not Franco, not me, and not Jose. We, we no, couldn't see him Andrea, in no. the media availability. Andrea. So. And no one asked. Andrea,
0: you, you, listen. We initially said it was, when well, we were trying to figure it out, that it was like a 4, four two, And that Harvey Neville was playing like left midfield. Because he was very abierto, very open and wide out to the left. And we're like, oh, but he's never really played there before. But like, I guess maybe because of the personnel, that's where he's playing. And we thought it was a two-forward formation. Which it was. They stayed with two strikers. Harvey Neville was not a winger. Because they didn't have... If Harvey Neville was playing left wing, who was playing right wing? There was no right wing. So this was a 5-3...
2: Lacava was playing. No, he was playing as one little. of the
0: two strikers with Robinson. Yeah, this, but
2: he was playing more to the side. More an, like a wing.
0: Andrea, this was a 5-3-2 with the wing backs pushed very far up to help that midfield. Because the midfield trio, again, Stefanelli... Kremashi and Uyoa. That was your midfield triangle. And then the width was supposed to be uh, supplied by the wingbacks, which again, and this and, and were Boatwright and Harvey Neville. Now, whether it worked or didn't work, you know, again, hard to really analyze because it's a team that you can't imagine has had very many, if any, reps together as a group. But this was a 5 3 2. And Stefanelli, when he was talking post game, and you, uh, we were able to talk to him for a few minutes, he said, los tres del medio. Clearly implying that there was only three midfield players.
2: That is what we are saying. We are saying 4-3-3. Three, three. Andrea,
0: Harvey Neville was not playing as a forward. If, if, if you genuinely think Harvey Neville was playing as a forward, then I don't know what game you're watching. Because he was not even close to being in that attacking third and taking up those positions. Was he taking more advanced positions than a left back? Yes, but that's why he's a left wing back. There's a, there's differences there.
2: He was not a he was a he was anyone that plays Pisa- on that. He was playing in Pizarro's natural position as a volante de ataque. He was Maybe
0: a and he was a wing back. Anyone listen? Anyone who plays on the outside part of the defense.
2: Like Stefanelli said. it to you and you cannot agree
1: <laughs> he didn't say anything he said the three in the let's, midfield let's
2: let's concentrate concentrate in that so i
1: week. think we're confusing everybody here because what is really people what are really people thinking right listen, now if they were not able to watch listen, the, the game si- the system
0: the si- listen, to me i
2: think forward. and i think it's a yeah, talking the point ta- the biggest takeaway is that he changed the formation right he that that, that
0: formation back- that i yeah. think and i think that fight we've seen phil neville play with three center backs before so the fact that the second group played that, or if you guys don't want to call it that, the fact that he has a different formation is that he already has one that they've been working on. Because I don't think he just changes it all up just because. They, now,
1: they need to have more than one. Oh, of
0: course, of course. Yeah. But now we know Now we know what another one is. Now we know what another one is.
1: Let, let's say this is a 5-3-2. How can we make this work with everybody available, right? You would assume Neger will be the left wing back, yetling on the right side and then you'll have to play um Mavica, Sergi,
2: and uh Sergi.
1: And Sergi or well Sailor is injured, so it will be Mavica. Or Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Gibbs was playing, Listen, I
0: this is this is information. I will share this with you and I'll share this with the listeners. And I should have probably said this before. Kieran Gibbs, I know this as information from sources, has played at center back during this preseason. So while he can play left back and he has played left back He's also been he's used career. He's, he's also career. he's also been used as a center back within <laughs> to Miami. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. and that goes
0: back to last year. K- Kieran Gibbs at moments last year played at center played at center back at some points. And he, if you remember during one the one preseason game that they played against uh, I think Columbus or one of the three games that they played in Charleston, he got injured in. He came in as a center back. So, he was playing as a center back here. He's an option there. He's experienced, he's on the roster.
1: Well, you know, to be honest, I'd rather play Gibbs out of position as a center back than Sailor or Mabika. So, I mean, that might work, and uh, and that might be the only way to keep Karen Gibbs on the field for extended period of maybe, time.
0: Maybe he gives you a little bit mejor salida. Maybe he gives you a little bit more of a cleaner
1: build out because he's got a better yeah, because a he better has touch, better, yeah,
2: right? Yeah. So a of technique.
1: out of yeah. center back for sure. You know he'll he'll give you a lot more pace. You know he he'll be able to keep up with some of. No, the... Little... I don't know about that. I don't know about yeah. that.
2: I mean, yeah, it's... he will. He he. he if one After thing, all the injuries, Gibbs...
0: I don't know. After all the injuries, no, but I don't know.
2: If, if there's one thing that Karen Gibbs has had his whole career, and listen, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I know him, all his professional life is that. So I think that could be that could work. That could work, and we could see him playing that position, but. I don't know. Then you add another play player playing out of position so. I don't know. Some players some
0: players transition into different positions as they as they get older and into later stages of their career. This is this is the last thing I'll say on the on the 5-3-2. Because the roles while similar are not exactly the same. Look, there's fullbacks, right? Defenders that play on the outside, laterales. Right? Wingbacks and right or left backs, those are all fullbacks. They're all laterales. But if you're a wingback, a right wingback or a left wingback, where you play further up the field but you still have defensive responsibilities, that's a carrilero. You are no longer a right back. Now you're a right wingback. And it's a subtle difference, but there is a difference. And I forget which South American coach explained this woof maybe last year or maybe two years ago. like He broke up the percentages of attacking versus defending in those positions. And he's like, when you're a right back, he's like, you know, 40% of your responsibility uh, or 30% of your responsibility is to attack, 70 is to defend. When you're a wing back, it's the other way 70% to attack, 30% to defend. So that gives you an idea. Like the, the, the wing backs and the fullbacks, regardless of the formation, with what we've seen so far in this preseason, that's where Inter Miami wants its width to come from because the diamond midfield is narrow. Pizarro and Taylor are not opening up wide and combining on the outside. They're playing inside in the middle to combine with Gregory and whoever's at the 10 right now, Coco John. So that's that's what we've seen so far. The width is coming from the outside, uh, whether you want to call them excuse me, fullbacks in the four or, or wingbacks in the five. All right, let's leave it there. We didn't even really talk about Stefanelli's performance, but we'll leave that for our final thoughts um, as well as talk about the upcoming game against the Revolution. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and... Do a Q&A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. All right, guys, Q&A time. Again, we got a lot of questions. We'll only dive into a few here. So, uh, if again, if we don't get to yours this week, don't get discouraged. We're trying to rotate around and get to as many as possible on a weekly basis. But, obviously, we have some time constraints that we're trying to work under. So, bear with us here. Bear with us. Uh, We'll tighten up the first segment to try to get to more questions, maybe, uh, you know, going forward. But, all right. First question from Don Cafecito. It's in Spanish. He asks, el pregunta, ¿cuándo volverán a hacer un podcast en español? El episodio que Franco hizo con el señor peruano hace un par de años estaba bueno. Hay que volver a invitarlo. So, to translate, the question is, when are you guys going to do another podcast in Spanish? The episode that Franco did uh, with the Peruvian guy uh, a couple of years ago was very good. Got it. You guys should invite him again. I only remember doing a Spanish podcast once on Miami Total Football Radio's existence. And that was with you, Jose. So unless Don Cafecito is convincing or confusing you for being Peruvian, um, I don't know who he's talking about. I mean, I've made appearances on other people's podcasts and definitely some Peruvians out there. But um, I haven't had anybody on Miami Total Football Radio as a guest that's been strictly Spanish that's Peruvian. Only you. Only you. And you're clearly not Peruvian.
1: No, but I'll be one percent Peruvian in a couple of days when I eat some lomo saltado. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll we'll leave that we'll leave that inside joke for a future episode because we we can't get into all of that right now. We can't get into oh, all of that. Okay. I, I've okay. I have said I have said and I, and I haven't been good on my word that I would like to do a once a month by Football radio show in Spanish with Jose and Andrea. Um, I do love talking about football in Espanol. That's why we try to make this bilingual and try to use terms in Spanish. Um, not only because we're in South Florida, but because I do enjoy talking about football in Spanish. Like the terminology is more defined. There's more way to describe things. I would love to do it. We have to try to find the time to do the, Do it in. Because we all have three different schedules and uh, not the easiest. Not the easiest. So, But definitely, definitely... Something I would like to do a little bit more of. So, all right. Next question from Twitter. Would anyone have cared if Indy celebrated after his goal? Players should celebrate a goal when they don't know when the next one may come. Indy didn't even have a choice leaving. I can be happy for a former Inter-Miami player scoring against us, but Inter-Miami just needs to win those games. Jose, this one's all all yours. You saw the goal. You said, wow, left you with your jaw on the ground, as I mentioned before. You know, do you care to answer the question of uh would anyone have cared if Indy celebrated after that goal it was a stunning
1: goal i don't think people would have cared just because indiana you know he was i i mean he just he was not um how how do i say that this nicely um he was not overly impressive in his time in, with with inter miami um uh, but i can understand you know the reasoning behind not celebrating i think he's just being respectful thankful um, it's a friendly, there's no reason to, you know, go, um, overboard and start, you know, celebrating. It was early in the game as well. So what could happen after? So, yeah, I can understand. I can understand then. And, and I do agree. They, they have to start winning in preseason. You know, it's, it's important. It's important to win a game or two. You know, it, it last year, remember they won the Carolina challenge cup. Was yes. that it? Yes. And they went into the season with some excitement uh, and... Um,
0: some positivity. I,
1: yeah, I, I think, I think that every team needs that. So, um, I think they'll eventually win a game or two in preseason. So I
0: mean, they, they did win fun. one. They beat FIU.
1: That uh, so. doesn't count. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, if they want us to count it, they should have let us watch it. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Uh, Andrea, this one's for you. And it's from someone that I don't believe has ever asked a question before. I-M-C-F underscore, which obviously you me, Club de Football underscore, Gio. Does the team do a good job marketing slash advertising themselves in places other than Miami and Fort Lauderdale? I live in Palm Beach County and never see any type of marketing. Thanks! Exclamation point. Love the pod despite the hot takes. Laughing emoji and another laughing emoji with the sweat on its forehead.
2: <laughs> Love it. Well, I don't think the team does a good job with that. And not listen, not only north in Palm Beach, but also south of Miami in Homestead, They, I don't think they do a good job. I think um, they should do a better job because, listen, if you want to be a big team here in this community in South Florida, you have to take care from West Palm Beach onto Homestead like other teams do, like the Dolphins, like the Miami Heat. So you need to build that. You need to build that, and I feel that the team is lacking. Um, I have seen some initiatives here and there, but I feel like that they are lacking, and it's an area that could bring a lot of fans because many people, like uh, football, live there. Many Latinos live there. There are large communities of Latinos living in Palm Beach and also in Homestead, so I think Inter-Miami is lacking in that department, and it's something that I would love to see them get better because it's a South Florida team. It's a South Florida team, so they should do better. I hope they do better for their sake and bringing people from Palm Beach and from other places not only south and west but uh, south and north but from the west could also benefit the team could also benefit the attendance because let's remember that Inter Miami has the lowest attendance in the MLS so hopefully this season it's something that they work on and they work in bringing these people that live north south and west from Fort Lauderdale and Miami
1: okay We'll I think the... That's a budget situation as well. Right? I mean they have to put more money into it. Is there a lot of money to put into you know, the marketing of the th- team in areas outside of Miami and Fort Lauderdale? I don't know. I think it's strategic. I think it's strategic. That's what I think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, would say budget.
0: I think that they that they think that, you know, the core group that they need to put more of their, their efforts into the core group which they think is in Broward and, and Miami dade That's what I think. Just my opinion. That's not inside information. Just my opinion.
2: yeah. No, I I I think the same. But I think that's a mistake because there are a lot of communities that you're living in. so uh, you cannot become a great team in this in this area of the country when when you ignore almost half of the population living here. So hopefully they do better. Hopefully this season they do better. Listen, they have uh, attractive players uh, for. For marketing, like in Homestead, for example, that you have a large Mexican community, they should go market Rodolfo Pizarro there so that people can go and watch him in the stadium. They don't do that. They should go market in Palm Beach. Other players that are interesting for the team, for the communities there, they don't do that. So hopefully it will get better and... uh,
1: team should be a mark,
2: uh, Lakeland, exactly. Lakeland. You have a lot of Latinos there and I've heard this is not the first, this is a really good question. And that I like, because it's, it's not the first time that I've gotten this comment, especially from people in Palm beach. Uh, but hopefully the team takes notice on that and acts on it because they should include everyone. They should include everyone in South Florida because this is the only team professional team in MLS that South Florida has. In MLS. In MLS. So they should do it. Okay,
0: well, that does it for our Q&A session. We'll leave it there. We have final thoughts. And I think this is going to be in final thoughts extra time because there were still some pieces uh, of juicy nuggets that we did not really dive into. So I'll start. I'll start. We saw Nicolas Stefanelli make his debut in that game. Uh, you know, he only played... Uh, 30 minute period that first uh, that first 30 minute period Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to confuse the listeners like that he played the third 30 minute period so the first one with the second group and he played as an 8 and uh, you know it's his first preseason game and you know you can see that he has some good ideas I don't know if that's his best position but it's early it's only 30 minutes um, and with a team that didn't, didn't rendir didn't perform all that well. So we'll see. We'll see. Look, he said in his pre-game press conference when he was presented formally on Friday, I asked him, you know, what what's his playing style? Because he, he had said he, he has played all different types of positions in his career. But when he was describing his style of play, when I asked him to describe his style of play, did he sound like a 10 or an 8 to you? A 10. You thought he sounded like a 10? I say it. Yeah. I, I thought he sounded like a forward when he's saying... Me gusta hacer los diagonales, So he likes to make diagonal runs, which you make diagonal runs in behind yeah. the defense. That's not necessarily a responsibility or a function of a ten. That's a striker or a forward, a winger. You know, so, someone that plays that front line. So interesting. Something, to, something to keep or, an eye on. Something that the Bears watching.
1: I think it's more like a, you know, like a, a maybe a punta, right? You know, you know what? One of those modern version of a ten. That he's not necessarily a, a player that, yeah, he's not he's not like pozuelo like, but he'll be a ten that will take the position in the middle, but he might overlap the striker every now and then, and right. then he'll he'll look more like a striker at times. Right,
0: not not quite a ten, not quite a nine, a nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that was quick thoughts on, on Stefanelli Negri, Franco Negri. Again, going back to that five three two. Talk that we had at the end of the first segment here. Uh, you know, he when he was asked about his playing style, he, he said, you know, he likes to attack and defend and he really likes to attack. That's why, you know, he's also played some left winger or some left midfield um earlier in his career. Uh he said he's comfortable playing as both a wing back and a fullback. So I'm even more convinced after hearing that and seeing what we saw on on Saturday that the five three two is a very realistic system that we could see Inter-Miami deploy this year under Phil Bevel. Especially once Franco Negeri, who is expected to get minutes, alongside Joseph Martinez, alongside uh, uh, Gene Mota as well, on Thursday against the New England Revolution. Which is another final thought, because Inter-Miami has another game in Sarasota. They've taken an away trip. Um, So you know this will be the time for them to, to bond a little bit more. Something Phil Neville touched on, this will be a time to integrate some of the new guys into the culture a little bit more. So, uh, you know, that that I think the trip is good for the team. I think that they do need to, I don't know if they need to win, and they don't need to win it's preseason. But I think they need to perform better. And they need to score another goal. So, there we go. Jose,
1: your final thoughts. Um, You know, I'll take my final thought and I'll add a question that, um, a listener sent to me personally on, on my Twitter account. Um, Rene Vallejo was kind enough to send, and I'll take that as my final thought. He's asking about, you know, if Inter Miami gets, um, um, well, by them signing the new center back, if that will be it for Inter Miami. And, um, you know, I think they, they, they have a very deep roster. I think they have a very deep roster. I think they do have two players per position right now. Right now, they have at least two players for, for for every position. So I would say they might be done with the, you know, the role players. But I think they're obviously missing a designated player. So whether they add one more player right now or uh, during the summer, I think they'll still add one more piece to the to the roster. So. That would be it for me.
0: I agree that they're missing a number ten. I agree. I think that they're like I like the pieces they've added. I just think that they're missing like the a big difference maker. Like what they need one difference maker in there, an additional. And I don't I don't think that they they have that yet. So, um, Andrea, your final thought?
2: Well, I wanted to say uh, continue talking about the scrimmage we saw, the friendly match we saw. I'm. I wanted to say that Ascona came off injured with a, what appeared to be a muscular injury. We have to watch out for that because um, he was, uh, for me, one of the best or one of the highlights, I think, for all three of us. One of the highlights in the second half against Vasco da Gama. We didn't see him a lot in this game, unfortunately. But another highlight that I wanted to ask is that I really like Israel Bo, Right? I think this player, which, who is currently now with Inter Miami 2, but I think this is a player that we're going to see a lot this year. And I think he's going to get opportunities. Um, he's gotten chances in these two games that we have seen. And I really think it's a player that is going to build up and it could be a good asset for Inter-Miami in the future. He's also like gonna, playing in the World Cup, under-20 World Cup uh, this year, later this year. So I think that, that player is going to be one bright spot for Inter-Miami this year.
0: I'm going one more. I'm adding a last final thought. I'm getting three in here. Because we didn't really talk about the newcomer uh, in, in a whole lot of detail. And that, again, that is Sir Kristoff, And 31-year-old center back has some good experience playing with Shakhtar Donetsk, a big club in the Ukraine. He's officially signed. He was officially presented. Spoke to the media, not only about joining Inter Miami, but also about you know the war in Ukraine and um, you know, how that impacted him and his family. So, t- t- touched on some interesting things during his introductory press conference. I haven't seen a whole lot of him. But given his profile in terms of his age, not surprised that they went. And I thought they would do this even before. I didn't hear this, but I had thought they would do this before the the press release came out. I thought it would be a two-year deal with an option for a third if he really excels. I think he's maybe a, someone they see as a, as a good piece, but a short-term piece just because of his age. So, you know He's about to turn 32 in March, if I'm not mistaken, so you know he'll be 34 when, when his two-year deal runs out. So I think they'll planning for the long term that they'll be ready to move on there unless he's really, really excelling at that point uh, in his career. But I do think he'll provide, and again, I haven't seen him play, but I do think he'll provide some muscle back there uh, as well as maybe a little bit more composure um, than what they had. At least that's what Inter Miami is hoping for. So we'll see. We'll see when he steps on the field in a game that we can that we can watch. clearly he's going to be a very big part of this team this year because of his experience on a back line that yeah if you look at the starters I guess Yedlin you know Yedlin does have experience, but um it's it, it, there's there there's a need for a leader there, and I think kristoff is is the the player that is being looked at as the solution or the answer so well that does it for this week's show we went longer again than we wanted to but that's okay um, we had a lot to talk about once again we'll continue to work on it to get better just as inter miami is during this preseason so for jose armando for andrea llanes i am franco Pinizo. you have been listening to miami total football radio we'll talk to you guys again next week